everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Bit with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close to personal, some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say in every episode, we've got a great one for you. Who do we have? Uh, we're excited to have Sophie B. Hawkins with us today. She burst onto the international music scene with her 1992 platinum-selling debut album, Tongues and Tales, which included the hit song, Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover, and earned her a Best New Artist Grammy nomination. The last three decades have brought multiple awards, sold-out concerts, appearances on film and television, performances with some of the best-known names in the business, a documentary feature, and a critically acclaimed performance as Janis Joplin in the play Room 105. Wow. And she and also had Wheeler, which... Featured the record-breaking longest-running single in Billboard Adult Contemporary Chart History, the number one hit, As I Lay Me Down. That's a lot. Yes. And we're excited to talk to her about all that and more. So yes. welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. It doesn't, when you take someone's headlines and you distill them, it makes you look super, super important, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I'm on, Absolutely. you know. I'm going to go a different route yeah. than I normally go on our show. I would, you know, I've seen the story about the Mark Cohn story of yes. how you got discovered. Mm -hmm. I want to hear about that. Tell us that first. Well, the Mark Cohn story is a beautiful one for so many reasons. Number one, that was my favorite job I've ever had besides, oh, wow. you know, oh, yeah. besides, you know, making money from writing songs and getting on stage and everything. I was a coat check at this amazing theater restaurant called Orso in Manhattan. Oh, wow. And uh, lots of people came in, from David Bowie to Steve Martin. Everyone came into this restaurant before and after the show, the, you know, the theater. So yeah. then Mark Cohen used to come in very early. Um, he was married to a beautiful woman named Jennifer, and I think it was, or he was going to get married. And this was before he was famous. This was before okay. he, before he recorded "Walking in Memphis." He could have written it, but he was known oh, wow. to be a jingle singer, you know. But I didn't know any of that. I was, you know, basically a kid co-checking. And he said one day, you know, before everyone got there, you have such a beautiful speaking voice. I bet you're a great singer. And I said, <laughs> yeah. I said oh, I'm a terrible singer, but <laughs> demoed good. And I had a songwriter and I wrote all these songs and I would love you to listen to it. So it said my name, Sophie, with my number, 212-787-8418. And um, apparently what he did was he he ha must have had it in his pocket. He brought it to yeah. this jingle studio the next morning, I guess. He left it on a counter there. And oh, some wow. guy, a piano player, and this is the other very meaningful layer of the story. This piano player named Ralph Shuckett, way very recently. I put a mm -hmm. tribute to him up on YouTube. He mm -hmm. grabbed the, the tape, the cassette, and he listened to it going home, you know, to his Brooklyn abode. And he called me up and he said, you should be making records. Oh, wow. So that's basically yeah. the short version of how I got discovered. It was it was Mark Cohen's like of my, sing, my speaking voice. And then it was Ralph Shuckett yeah. who actually heard the songs and said, man this girl is and then he luckily ended up being a producer on the record ralph wow. he went on to be very for other things like pokemon movies and all that now i read that there's also a story in your first um big hit song too tell us about that story 
Well, which one? The demo? Which one yeah. 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 I don't know that. Oh, oh, I, oh you, want, you guys just want me to tell stories. Where's the fire? Where's the marshmallows? Where's my cocoa? <laughs> yeah. We love stories. We love stories. Okay. Gosh. Well, that story is wonderful, too. That was before this one. So I was a drummer for um, since I was 14 years old in Manhattan. I grew up in, born and raised in New York City. I was an African drummer. And um, I went to Manhattan School of Music for percussion. And at some point, I met Andy Newmark. I can't believe I'm pulling these names out of the hat. I must have been <laughs> After all these years. Yeah, do the great job remembering um, them. <laughs> so Andy Newmark, he's a wonderful drummer. He played with everyone from Carly Simon to you name it on all the 70s records. And, you know, I was a kid in the 70s, so I, I loved his drumming. I met him at a Eurythmics concert, of all the things, at... Um, I think it was not limelight, probably something, something in Manhattan. They were very new, very new uh -huh. at that time in America. So I met Andy and he said he didn't want to be apart from me from the minute he met me. So he said, I've got to get you on the Ryan Ferry tour. So he had me audition as a percussionist. And by the way, at that time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And at that time I wore dresses and uh, like Laura Ashley dresses, if anybody out there could possibly remember what that is. Yeah. Very uh, prim and proper. Yeah. And so I auditioned as a special player and I rearranged all the songs from Roxy Music and Brian Ferry on marimba and vibraphone because I really wasn't, I was an African drummer, but I wasn't a Cuban percussionist. And I, you know, listening to his records knew that's what he expected. So I wasn't Sheila E. I was very different. I was more, you know, I don't, I don't know whatever just different so i went there i auditioned on my marimba and my vibraphone and played a few african percussion instruments and he loved it he said you remind me of maggie thatcher huh. can you huh. imagine i have no idea i was you know young and yeah. it was the dresses i guess my hair was in a way so um he hired me wow wow then mm -hmm. but then he fired me <laughs> and that's the story that happened so i remember when he fired me Mm -hmm. I was, a, you know, a little bit uh, embarrassed, but I went home and that's the time period that Damn I Wish I Was Your Lover came out. And wow. I had that strong feeling that one does in life. This is true. And I know you know it. From chaos comes order, from darkness comes light. And oh, I yeah. just had this feeling that that was the beginning, that that was the last bad thing that was going to happen or like un uncomfortable thing that was going to happen. Yeah before I started to break through and really find wow. my own voice. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. speak, you know, speaking of uncomfortable things, uh, you know, you've been doing this for uh, all these years. The last 20 months has probably been really uncomfortable because all oh, of a sudden yes. COVID comes the world and shuts everything with. down. So mm -hmm. tell us how you've been managing getting through this phase of our country. I know. Well, you know, the, the beginning was so difficult watching everybody suffer. And I wasn't, you know, none of me and my children were holed up with another in a small house by the way, suffering, really. We were just, you know, like everybody else, wondering what to do. Do you buy toilet paper? Do you sterilize everything before it comes in the house? All that stuff, you know, and I have two young children. So one, Esther was five and Dashiell, I think Dashiell was 11 when it started. So Esther must have been four when it started, because now oh, she's yeah. six and now he's 13. So the hard part really was managing and helping them because suddenly they were not social. They were stuck in these little rooms and 
And well, we're mm -hmm. all together, these two families. And Dashiell had was it was in an incredibly hard school in it, to stay with the program for him mm -hmm. at eleven when I didn't even let him do screens. You know, I was very, very um disciplined with him. So now suddenly all those kids are doing the screens and then dipping out and going onto their own windows and nobody knows about it, you know, because you can't right. be in your face all the time. Yeah. And and all sorts of things are happening in those in those rooms on mm -hmm. internet. And that was really hard. And and it was hard emotionally for me and for him as a growing human. And then Esther, my goodness, I mean, trying to do preschool on oh, the, yes, suddenly on computers sad. with Esther, I, I had the hardest time because I, we have such a playful relationship and I share so much of my life with my children artistically, but to be their teacher, they were not happy about that. <laughs> you know, and I, like I would take Esther to the beach and try and make everything. Yeah. The minute it got into, let's, she knew what was happening and she was so angry and I don't blame right. her. It's like, so that was the hard part for me. And then there was this. Because you're like, you're not happy either. <laughs> well, I wasn't because the shock of having to now do my career online. It was, we were expected as as parents to take care of our kids 100% and still completely work, completely mm -hmm. perform yeah. online. Yes. That's difficult. You know, I'm with that. It was really, so all of a sudden I was staging concerts online and it's so surgical. You know, you have your, your laptop looking at you. If you make one mistake, there's no reverb, there's no audience, you know. I mean, I can't really say that my life was harder than anybody else's, but yeah. everybody else's life was very uniquely hard. So that was my life. I mean, I wasn't a first responder. I wasn't having to go into the hospital. I had nobody sick in my family. So in those ways, I've been really blessed. So the first bit was hard. Like I just said, but then what happened was I found my feet, you know, I found my stride and I started to really love it. After yeah. a certain point, I, I didn't want life to, to continue. Anymore <laughs> because I suddenly was painting paintings with my daughter and doing, you know, all this, you know, exercising with them. And we just oh, wow. developed a routine. Like we were all living in a bunker and it was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and wow. so when we when mm -hmm. we started up school like last September, and even though it was only partial school, there was this huge loss for me of the internet. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. And you know all the cooking that we had done, all the you yeah. know what, guys. I never had time to watch TV before COVID, and then and at first I stopped myself. I said, "Oh, you're not going to be a lazy American. You're not going <laughs> to do that." Yeah. Well, of course, right? At a certain point, I said, "Why not?" And I started catching up. It was great in some ways to be a part of this breakdown. And then the sky was so blue. No, yeah. Flying the ocean looked so clear. A second for the earth to get back in balance without us humans trampling all over all the time. It was really yeah. a great lesson to learn how we are so out of balance. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, now right. Sandy and I, we homeschool our 10 year old and and all that so nothing changed for us right much. we were sort of used to that we had that pattern but well see that's really nice that your your child can can bear that yeah mm -hmm. yeah so that didn't have to change for him at that time <laughs> And, yeah, you know, we, what's really, crazy really is we launched this, you know, it's really crazy. We launched this show January of 2020. So a couple months before COVID and our wow. original plan was maybe a hundred interviews 
And then COVID happens and I'm, yes. and I'm sitting there. I told Sandy, I was like, you know, we can't change COVID, but we need to step this thing up because people need a place to talk and we're going to give it to them. That's and because great. of that, we did over 300 interviews first year. And now we're over five. Wow. Wow. That's, that's kind of amazing. That's see, that's, well, that's the great old American spirit, you know? You got to do what you got to do. Yes. I mean, we couldn't change it. So yeah, we did. You, create, you create opportunity out of, um, you create opportunity out of a lack, uh, out of destruction. Yes, exactly. Like you said, where chaos comes, brings order. Yes, yes. exactly. So chaos came and we created order. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people would ask, when did you know you wanted to do music? But I like to go deeper than that. When did it click for you that this could actually be a career? You know, that's an interesting question because I do notice having children that that process is different for everybody. And mm -hmm. I also think we mythologize our own past. So if I answer you, I hope it's the truth. Because <laughs> I don't remember anymore because you think, you know, I, I think it's one moment, you know, where I saw it all at once at about nine. When I wanted to be a Bob Dylan, I didn't separate career from song, from writer from anything, mm -hmm. from the light. I just, it was all of a piece. I want to be that. And then when I started with African drums, I don't think I said, I want a career as a drummer. I just wanted to be really, I wanted to learn the language of music. And I think it was yeah. really smart to start mm -hmm. really with the basics and with where, you know, the seat of civilization, you know, Africa and African drums, the communication. So, so for me, I think that I always wanted to be inside of a song. And that was life to me. So then, then everything followed from there. I don't know if there was any moment where I said, I want to be, you know, because I hear people speaking nowadays, they're career songwriters. I'm, you know, there's lyrics in songs. Now I'm making money on my songs. And I, I go, I can't really even relate to that. I can't even relate <laughs> to it. Because when I first got my check for songwriting, I thought I should give it back. I thought this is a huge mistake. How did I get paid to do this? So uh, I come at it from a totally different place. Wow. I love that. Now, as you know, a lot of people, they see the glory in what you do, but they don't see the grind in what you do. And in our opinion, you know, pe people kind of gloss over this side of it, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices involved, a lot of struggles involved within entertainment. I always want to talk about that. Um, so let's go back a little bit. As you were growing in the music industry, what were some of the sacrifices and struggles you've had to go through to get to where you are? Oh, well, you know, they, they start really young, really, because um, you have to practice so much. Mm -hmm. You know, even as an African drummer, I remember my teachers, I would say, hey, I practiced 20 minutes today. Oh, my God, you've got to practice two hours. Hey, you've got to practice six hours. So there's that, there's like being a child and having to suddenly become so disciplined with that was giving up basketball, giving up, that's like simple things, but they're really intense when you're young to, to change your life on your own, to wake up at four in the morning and no one's telling you to, because you know, you suck and you have to be better. That was the first, you know, level of it. And then, um, and then there's the um, the sacrifice of everything you could have been. Because when you're going to be an artist, mm -hmm. you can only be an artist. You cannot be all, 
all these other people say, oh, well, maybe I'll go into finance, I'll make a lot of money, and then I'll write books. Now, actually, people do do that. But I'm not sure that is a conscious path. I think those people went into finance against their better judgment, happened to have made a lot of money, and then finally get back to what they want to do, which is writing. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I have an answer about that. But <laughs> I think the sacrifice, too, it's more for dancers, I think, than anybody. And it's more for actors, too, because dancing is cruel and it's brutal on the body and on the mind and on the soul because you very you rarely ever get um get the reward from the work you put in and that's just so sad and th and yet people love to watch you but mm -hmm. they never realized they never realized that your your life is so so difficult yeah we have and a big dancer coming on tomorrow mm -hmm. well so you know i i really admire dancers because to give your life to that incredible and then mm -hmm. the, the acting i think is the next noble noblest art because they so few actors become famous and it's such a hard life mm -hmm. and you have to give yourself completely to it and there's no like, known discipline i mean you go to the schools there's all these methods but really when you're acting it's it's i've acted i was janice joplin i was before that i i studied acting to be a better songwriter i always found it to be the most difficult thing ever it's so, it's so demanding. It's so demanding in, in every way. And it takes so much of your life from you, at, from your relationships, because you have to give everything to yeah. it. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's, as a songwriter, I feel, as a musician songwriter, I feel, well, my son would tell you, it's the worst job in the world. Because <laughs> when I, he stopped practicing when he was 11. He's very, very gifted at music, and I wasn't gifted. And that's also why I did it, because I wanted to do something that was difficult. He said, I don't want to do this anymore, Mom. And I said, why? You're so gifted. I would wow. give my arms to be as talented as you. And he said, you think I want to have your job? It is the worst. You're working all the time. Then you have to travel and leave your family. You don't wow. make very much money. You have no life. So that mm. I said, wow, from his perspective, this is yuck. Mm. You know, so, wow. so I think that, look, I still have to, it's true. We, every, it never ends. You never stop having to work all the time. You never stop having to even practice for shows. You never stop. And the, when you talk about the glory, that is like, it, you never really does. And by the way, I look at the football players, you know, they're, Look at that life. It's so intensely difficult, but the love yeah. is so strong. Yep. You know? Exactly. Because again, you know, that, I think that's where a lot of people miss. You know, they think you, you got the talent, you can make it, but there's just so much that goes into being, whether you're an athlete, whether you're an artist, whether you're a dancer. Yes. There's any of so much skills. that goes into being mm -hmm. all that. Um, you have, like you said, you have to give well, it your the, the all. The talent has, is the least. Yeah, the talent is the least of it. The <laughs> talent is 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 whether you have it or not. But it's it's really how you can envision. I don't know how people. I don't honestly know, and I am grateful all the time. I am grateful, so grateful that I figured out a way to quote unquote make it in this lifetime because there's no indication of why some people make it and some people don't. And the unfortunate thing is you can't you know, outline it or quantify it for someone who doesn't get where they want to go. You can't. Yeah. My mother mm -hmm. is a writer and she is brilliant and she didn't get, and is it timing? I mean, is it timing? Is it this combination of all these things? And I, I defy anyone to pretend that they can figure it out. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's like no cookie cutter. You know, you know, you always see a lot of these gurus online where they're like, "Oh, I can take you from point A to point step B, by step, step by mm-hmm. step." But when it comes to entertainment, there really is no step by step. Everyone has it. to find Every, their own. You path have to find your own path to get there. And there's yeah. no such thing as following somebody else's path. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And I think so much of it is being in synchronistic. It's timing. It's it's your it's your it's. You know, I think for all of us, and not just entertainment, life is um, life is a, a kind of a crapshoot where you you don't know what's going to happen when, and you can't pretend that you will know. So the best thing to do is have a very strong vision of how you want to be, mm-hmm. who you want yes. to be, yeah. and you you spend your life tailoring yourself really for yourself, not for anybody else. Yeah. Because I say like there, I, I was said it the other day to myself, honestly by accident, and it was like. The, it does. It, we don't. It, the limits are not how other people see us. The limits are not even how we see us. The limits are our imagination, and that's not to yeah. say that once yeah. you imagine it, mm-hmm. you can do it. But if you can't have a very vital, rich imagination about your life, it's tragic because life is so hard. And if you have that vital rich imagination you're more likely to to attract people with like-minded value oh that's so true you know it's like if i'm not mistaken it's a thomas edison quote um but steve harvey always quotes it that imagination is everything well there you go so it has nothing to do with anything else we've talked about we should just end (laughs) the interview here So we talked a little bit about the sacrifice and all that. Um, let's flip the script and go the other way and talk and talk about the glory moments you do have. Let's tell us a little bit about some of the moments where you're like, wow, some wow moments. Well, there was a wow moment, you know, when when a song comes out, like when Damn came out mm-hmm. and it was fully damn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I knew it. I knew it was mm-hmm. a big big baby that just came out and and then right wow moment is this feeling like what are you going to do with it just like a mother yeah. with a child yeah. wow this right. profound human being is here oh my goodness can i handle this what's <laughs> my next step so there was there are those moments where you really feel a wow of a feeling that you know you've let something come through you that's you know, very spiritual it's a very spiritual as i lay me down i have the same feeling yeah. and i've had it with other songs that by the way no one knows about like um I could name them, but you know, missing. There's songs that I've written mm-hmm. that I as walking in wow moments. And wow moments. So it's not always that it's mutual between me and the public. That's <laughs> a wow moment. Yeah, and sometimes wow moments I think are when you connect with uh, another in, in the field, another artist who really appreciates yeah. you. Mm-hmm. That's a wow moment. I mean, honestly, yeah, Paula Cole just wrote something lovely on my Instagram about something that I put up, you know, just because I, I liked it. It was a post of with the skivvies in my apartment and I posted it. And then it's a wow moment when somebody that I admire so much as Paula Cole, as yeah. a writer, mm-hmm. as a singer, as a musician. It's, so that's like, those are those little moments. And then, you know, I was nominated for a Grammy and I wanted that to be a wow moment, but I wasn't really in the place for that emotionally and with my record company. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were telling me, don't go, don't go to the Grammys. You're not going to win. We don't want to pay for the plane, whatever. <laughs> it could have been a wow moment. And if I were ever nominated 
dated for anything. And it would definitely be a wow moment because I'm old and wiser and I get it now. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You know, as you know, a lot of people, they see the artists like yourself, but they don't see the teams behind y'all. In our opinion, teams never get the love they, they deserve. Not. On our show, they get some love. So take a few moments and tell us about the team that helps you be who you are. Well, that's a really good question. And it's been a real struggle for me to build that team. Mm -hmm. And I think all this, again, is our the stuff we come in with is children. And then as we develop, you know, our emotional understanding of how people are and aren't is very, it's very um, distorted, depending yeah. on how mm -hmm. we grow up and everything. So it's been very hard for me to find a good team and to find a loyal team and, a, and an honest team and a communicative team. And very recently, actually a lot since the pandemic, I have found good people and that, by the way, they all started as friends. <laughs> they, they started as friends and, and they've become um, really loyal um, people who want to know what my vision is and they want to help me get it out there. Yeah. Even if, no matter what, I mean, even if they're not even being paid or whatever, and it's wonderful. There's times when an artist can't and there's times when an artist can, you yeah. know, reward people. So sometimes the best people come when you're struggling because they're the ones <laughs> who believe in you so much. And like, you know, um, you know, Sherry Lund, who just, you know, reached out and said, you know, I love your music. I did a great interview with you. You need my help, girl. So she started helping me really just <laughs> out of the goodness of her heart and wanted um, to know my vision. And that was the first moment of someone saying, what do you see? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Wow. And then, you know, my friends, my friend now, Michelle, my, my friends all along are the ones who I would say, my friend Lee Danae, and then suddenly in the industry, I'm starting. So yes, you know, I'm, I'm getting it together with management, and I'm getting it together with an agent, and I'm getting it together with all these fancy things and building my team. But I will have to say, it's my friends who reached out to me when I had no team that mm -hmm. are probably the most valuable players. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. You know, speaking of teams, we have a third co-host, our little 10-year-old that we bring on to ask a couple questions. Yes. So Sandy's going to go get him. I'll get him. Two questions. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, we, and we've got an almost three-year-old that when she gets older, she'll be plugging the show too because we are a family affair show. <laughs> That's amazing. So your son is coming on? Yeah. She's going to go get him now to go get him. So while, oh, while we're waiting great. for him, um, what's what are you currently working on? Oh man, that's that's a very loaded question because it's a lot. So uh, my new album, I'm very excited about is is really on the break. It's on the horizon of being able to be released. Oh wow! You know the songs are all written and recorded. It's just about remixing, packaging, mm -hmm. you know, press all that jazz that yeah. really envisioning, which actually takes a lot, a lot of planning in this age of throwing things into the black hole, of the internet. You really have to think about what you're doing because you don't want to just lose your lose your chance at affecting yeah. people. And there's very different ways of getting songs out now. So, so that's one thing that's right on the horizon. The other thing is it's the anniversary of Tongues and Tales, 30th anniversary, and I've never oh, celebrated wow. an anniversary from Tongues and Tales before. So we are really trying to make much ado about it, you know, with um, there's a, hopefully a box set coming out from a fabulous company in, in, in Europe. And then there's re-records and then there's tours. I've got lots of tours scheduled lots of tours scheduled really ramping up doing all through may i'm going to be 
touring with Dar Williams in May, and then wow. I'm going to be doing some stuff with Paula Cole, and I'm going to be doing stuff with um, with myself, headlining in the fall, tons and tons of shows for Tons and Tales. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. And that's really setting the groundwork for my new music to come out. And then I also have this play I've written, which is really a play the call, a play with music, play with songs. Mm -hmm. And that's very exciting. And all along, since the since the um, since COVID, I've been working on a book as well, mainly oh, wow. for material to inform the rest of everything. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hi, Sophie Hawkins. So, what's your favorite food? I mean, uh, yes. show. Uh, what's my favorite show? Yes. Is that what you? Yeah, asked? TV yes. show. Oh. Oh, oh, that easy. Outer Banks. Oh, wow. Oh, you don't know John B. <laughs> okay, Outer Banks is my favorite show. John B is my favorite character. Oh, wow. Do you know? Well, you got to Google John B. <laughs> you got to He's great, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> what's yours? Mine is SpongeBob. Oh, I love SpongeBob. I love SpongeBob. Now, how old are you again? I am 10. Tan, well, um, who's your favorite character? Uh, Patrick. You love Patrick. I love Patrick. Yeah, I right? love Patrick. I like yeah. Sandy, though. Sandy yeah. is my favorite because she's yeah. with her, her helmet. She's yeah. so apt. Is Sandy, by the way, a squirrel? Yes. <laughs> I just can't get over that. I think she's so imaginative and she's kind of like she takes no prisoners. I just really dig her. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so what's your favorite movie? Of all time? Uh yeah. Well, <laughs> um, maybe the sound of music. What's uh, your favorite movie? That's a good one. Uh mine's minions. Minions. Okay, I love music. You know what else I love? Did you ever see Inside Out? Yep. Oh yeah, you've seen I oh, just yeah. half. I think that's a great one. I love Inside Out so, so much. You know what my daughter makes me watch almost every Friday night, girls' night? She makes me watch Prince of Egypt. Have you ever seen that one? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, it's fantastic. And the music is fantastic. Hmm. Oh, wow. It's from the 80s, though, I think. It's still good. How about Home Alone? Are you too young for that? <laughs> Home Alone. Uh, you need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he watched it. It's funny, our, our three-year-old kind of takes over the thing where she, all the shows are catered to her right now. <laughs> oh, I hear that. I have a, I have a, I had a three and a seven at one time. But now I have a six and a 13. <laughs> Is that cool? Yes. All right. Bye, thanks. Oh, nice talking to you. That was my favorite part of the interview. What a sweetheart. Yeah, he loves to do the show. He's been on almost every episode. Yeah, he's yeah. great. That was so fun. <clears throat> and so, uh, what are some sources of inspiration for you? Well, you know, honestly, it's relationships. It always has been. I realize that now, yeah. especially writing the book. It's mm -hmm. all based on, on relationships. Relationships bring out the stories, you know, talking, yep. mm -hmm. um, being triggered by things. Triggered sometimes in a bad way can trigger the best. Uh, inspiration, realization. My songs are always all about healing, growing. My songs are my teachers. Mm -hmm. And so usually relationships bring out the um, the event that, you know, without relationships, we wouldn't feel anything, right? Yeah. So true. Mm -hmm. So that's really it. It's really my intimate, personal relationships. 
trigger uh -huh. everything. Yes. And what would you like for your legacy to be in the music industry? What would you like to be most known and remembered for? Oh, that's lovely. That's a great question. I'd like to be most known and remembered for a kick-butt artist yeah. who never caved in to the record companies or mm -hmm. any corporations who stayed true to my art and really, really <clears throat> went for the heart of the matter of each song and brought new ideas to songwriting and to the plays I write, new ideas of relationships, of how to heal, how to work together, how to view things. Mm. I think I do that. I think in my lyrics, I'm not just talking about love. I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about using love to get to the highest spiritual level, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I would love to be known as sort of, um, this, I'm at the service of, as a songwriter, it's really not about fame and it never obviously has never been because I've taken just about every chance you can take to kick fame away. And I still am here, which is amazing. <laughs> um, but want to be known as like the soul of an artist, the soul of an artist who really loves humanity and wants to help people. Yeah. I love that. Great answer. And if you could say anything to your fans, what would you want to tell them? I want to tell them how grateful I am that they still listen to me and that music because Times and Tales, this 30th anniversary is I rehearse the songs with On the Fire mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I rehearse them and learn them again. I love them more now than oh, I did wow. before and I'm so grateful. It's always oh, really moving to me. You know, the lyrics of of those of that first album are so wise. <laughs> they are more relevant now than they were then yes, to me. Yes. So I'm feeling like I, my fans who come out and can share this moment with me, you know, I just want to say happy We've all so much, you know. Wow. All of us humans, we've been through so much and we bond through mm -hmm. this incredible thing called creativity mm -hmm. and yeah. spirit. It's just too much. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah. So if you could co-write with any artist, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> if I could co-write with any artist, dead or alive, <laughs> Lots of choices There's a lot there. of choices. Love great choices. So many great choices that it's almost like, how could you possibly ask <laughs> question? Let me try. Could I? Okay, if I could, you said any artist, mm -hmm. dead or alive. You know what? I'm gonna say. It's impossible to choose. I'm going to say, Maria, he wrote, you know, oh, um, yeah. wow. the Jets, he wrote all those beautiful, mm -hmm. to write lyrics with a, with a musician like that, with a composer like that would be out of this world. But then I might also say, and I know you wanted me to say a pop artist, right? And it's not that I wouldn't <laughs> want to write with Bruno Mars, yeah. I would. It's not that I wouldn't want to write with Billie Eilish. I would. Right. Like, would I would anyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think. And if I was going to have a. I guess I'm putting myself way up there. 
<laughs> but we love it. So, so this also has probably a thousand different answers, oh, but just Lisa. think of something that pops in your head. But what's a song you've heard that you wish you wrote? Midnight Play to Georgia. Oh, oh love that cute. song. That's a great one. I love that song. So mm -hmm. And also, um, but, but it's called, it starts Fools, Russia, Elvis Presley. I cannot oh, right. fall in love with you. Oh, come on. That's a great song. Love I love that. that song so much. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. as we close out here, if um, somebody wanted to do what you do and what you've done, what advice would you give that person? Go to your darkest places and shine your light. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's really awesome. <clears throat> well, because then, then you're doing something that people need. Yeah. Exactly. Because we all have yes. them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. we, we all have them. Yes. Um, so, and as we close out, tell everybody how they can find you, which they probably already know. But tell. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, it's Sophie B. Hawk com from my website and then Instagram have the most immediate response. I think it's the okay. real Sophie B at the real Sophie B, but it has a blue check. So you'll know that would be mm -hmm. the easiest. And then, then yeah. that, that has everything on it. Those trees okay. and everything. Yeah. Love Thank that. you so much. Thank you for talking to me. Well, we, oh, we, you know, we definitely it. enjoyed having you on the show today and we look yeah. forward to having you back down the road. We do. Thank you. Well, I'll, you're going to see me really soon. I have tons of dates. Ah, that so, sounds, sounds great. great. Look All forward right. to it. You have a blessed Thanks day. so much for your time today. <laughs>